This is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. And I'm so glad you're here today. This episode is amazing. Today we have Vicki Dalton, who is a therapist. In fact, she was my therapist. And I chose to work with Vicki because of her profile. When I first was looking for someone to talk to, Vicki is a therapist, a psychologist here in Carmel, Indiana, where I live, that is really for women. And she specializes in helping people through transitions, divorce, depression. She works with a lot of young women, adolescents, guiding families through through things. She's just, she gets us as women. And I can't wait for you to hear all of the rich information that we cover We cover everything that I've wanted the Badass Women's Council to be about. Mindfulness, getting rid of judgment and shame, what happens when we're too busy juggling it all and trying to take care of everyone else that we lose ourselves a bit. And even more importantly, we lose our permission to connect with others, permission that we think we need to give ourselves. I mean, it's just full. I I learned a ton just going back and listening to it to do the editing and preparing to send it out to the world. So I think it's one of those episodes that you're going to want to bookmark and go back to again and again. I think you're going to want to share it with everybody you know. And I'm just excited for you to hear what we have for you today. Okay, here we go. Hello, I'm so excited to have Vicki Dalton here today on the podcast. She was my therapist several years ago. And when I pulled in the parking lot today, I thought to myself, oh, yay, I get to go see Vicki and I don't have to pay her. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited that you agreed to do this yeah. for free today. <laughs> yes, for free. Thanks. Sounds exciting. Uh, I hope so. So I, you were one of the first people I thought of on the podcast because... We had such great discussions that during my therapy sessions, I would think, oh, I love her. I want to be friends. So it's good that we're a few years past that when I can actually have this kind of conversation with you. Absolutely. Especially as it relates to strong women. So everything about the Badass Women's Council is about how can strong women continue to be reflective and most often connected to other strong women. And one of the dynamics that I find kind of gets in our way sometimes is sometimes a positive, but can can turn into a negative, which is self-awareness. So this is the reflection aspect of kind of being badass. Being self-aware is a really good thing. It helps us make good decisions. It helps us really look back on our own choices and and redirect when we need to. So self-awareness is good, but sometimes it turns into what I call head trash, where you take a thought and it just is not a great thought. It doesn't help you and it spins in your head and kind of drags you down. What is it? Help us know what that is. So there's lots of things that it it can be. I mean, it makes sense. You're right. Following that line of thinking, being self-aware is necessary for change and for growth and the ability to enjoy where you're at in life too. You have to be present for that. Sort of a concept that we refer to as mindfulness, being aware in the moment of what's going on inside your head and in your life. Um, But the key to that is doing so without judgment and shame. 
Um, and the difficulty, it sounds like what you're talking about is getting into that loop of sort of being negative about those thoughts or those patterns. And so there's a couple of things. It can be irrational core beliefs that most of us are walking around with. Um, and I'll give away a big secret here to therapy. Most of us have one of two or three. Um, and they can't be true or that would be the new norm. That would all be true. So there are things like I'm a fraud. I'm faking this. Um, oh, and I can't, we've done a podcast on have that. You? Yeah, yes. We call it a top performer fraud. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Or that we—it's often referred to as like the impersonator syndrome or something. Like I'm impersonating, I'm a fraud, I'm faking it, and um, and it can't be true. I know so many successful people. You can't you can't fake being a top surgeon, say mm-hmm. for example, right. right? I mean, you either you know help or not, and right. so. But it's a really really common thing, and I think it's actually particularly true for a lot of women who feel like they're just juggling um, life and kind of getting through, and they're afraid they're going to get caught, and that may also contribute to not getting as close to people. Um, and which which stops the connection piece right. that we desperately need. Right. And I can't let you know of what I'm struggling with because, you know, you perceive me as, you know, excellent or, or high functioning. And if I let you know of some of the jacked up stuff in my head or in my life, <laughs> you'll judge me. And so it comes back to sort of this fear of shame and fear of judgment. And, and those kind of irrational core beliefs are pretty common. And it sort of fits in with some of the other ones, like if people got to know the real me, mm-hmm. um, the real me, they may not like me, let alone love me. Um, and so a lot of those thoughts, it sounds like you're talking about that you refer to as like head trash do kind of feed into those things. But what we often find too, is that they go back years and maybe they go back to pieces that, uh, of comments or conversations or experiences that we had when we were sort of forming our sense of our identity. Um, and I oftentimes have my clients read a book by Don Miguel Ruiz called the four agreements. Um, and it's pretty old because it like, you know, quotes Forrest Gump, uh, which was a great movie, but I'm going to guess it was probably relevant at the time. So that's how old the book is, but it's a great book. And in there, it sort of talks about sometimes these past experiences that we had that created these old agreements or assumptions or, or perceptions of ourselves or beliefs that we now need to kind of go back and challenge. But if you aren't self-aware, if you are not in your head and taking a look at some of those things and being introspective, they have the ability to control and dictate your life. Your so we take mood. something that's good for us and it, it turns into this we can. spinning bad thing. Well, you called it irrational. And I, and we've talked about this a little bit before we started. It's irrational mostly because it's not really true. Correct. I mean, even if there are pieces of it that we can kind of hold on to and try to use to beat ourselves up with as, as true, as a general rule, it's not going to be. Um, and we wouldn't apply this rule to anyone else. Oh, absolutely not. But and, and is that a big part of it, too? Because I think that's where I get hung up is I've always prided myself in being able to say, oh, well, here's what I didn't do well. Let me use that as instruction for myself and go get better and change it. But some of those things don't require that. Like I've taken something and think I think it's true. It's a belief, but it's not a truth, which I say that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Not all of our beliefs are truths. Right. And they, they maybe were true at some point in time. Or maybe they were true relative to circumstances or situations in our world that maybe aren't as true anymore. And we have a hard time sort of letting go of that and letting the growth actually be real and go bone deep. that's a good point. Because I hear people say, like, even something like a a large weight loss, where they say, you know what, I I don't even know who I am anymore. And and my my own Mm -hmm. friends don't make sense. And my life does it. So it was a good change. But all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, you still have a lot of that stuff that's still in your Mm -hmm. head about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And so when you think about if you don't challenge and and grow in the way that you think about yourself, 
um, inside your own head it, that only feeds into the imposter syndrome mm-hmm. or that fear of um, people don't know the real me. I don't know the real me. Um, and as a general rule, the kind of point that I bring back for most people, most of us are walking around with those fears. Most of us have those insecurities in some capacity. And, and if they were all true, that would be the new norm. <laughs> that right. would be the norm. So that is normal. Well, and I, it's so comforting. Let's just take a moment and all just be comforted by the fact that even amazing, great people have that fraud feeling and that head trash, right? So it right. is common. And and it does feel like there's more of a movement when I think about what I read and see on social media where people are talking more about being vulnerable and authentic. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it seems like people are trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go back to that. I love what you said about it. It probably comes from something that's happened in your formative years that you've clung to. But we don't always remember it, right? It doesn't have to be like a big event. Correct. Or it wouldn't even have to be specific conversations or an argument. I mean, it could just sort of be a sense that as a child or a teenager or a young adult, you were sort of interpreting a situation, excuse me, and believing it to be true and maybe not even talking about it with anybody, making assumptions Mm -hmm. about what someone's treatment of you meant. Um, Sometimes it is very specific conversations (laughs) that someone has and a well-meaning parent um, or friend or teacher, you know, perhaps trying to coach you and what they perceived you needed to work on, um, but how you interpreted it may not have even been how they meant, or maybe it was was. how they meant. When I think about early life experience, it doesn't even have to be childhood type stuff. It can be some of the first significant relationships Mm -hmm. we get involved in. Um, And they set patterns if we don't challenge them. That is interesting because I said to someone the other day, we were having coffee and just kind of opening up and getting to know each other about our lives. And we didn't know each other prior. Other than what what, you you read online or you see Mm -hmm. about their business. And I made the comment that I had never really felt like I fit in anywhere. And her eyes got really big and she said, really? You? That surprises me. And I said, absolutely. I can give you several examples of times in my life growing up where I I just didn't feel like I fit. But... it doesn't show up in like a big life event, like a traumatic event. But as I look back on it and hearing you say that, I think, huh, now I think I know where some of my head trash comes from. Right. And if you don't challenge it, even if you can become self-aware, right, that's part of what you were talking about, being reflective and, and being, you know, introspective is what we'd refer to it in our world. If we're having an experience and it caused us to go there in our mind, um, it comes with all that emotional baggage mm-hmm. sort of attached with it. And that can really pull us into what you referred to earlier as the pit, mm-hmm. um, where you're spinning and kind of about that type of stuff. And so when we look at that sort of therapeutically and, and, and with the, the concept of being aware, mindfulness of being aware of what you're doing, but the key is to do so without judgment. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of, of strong women or strong individuals have used sort of a shamey, judgy kind of approach to kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, mm. work harder, kind of like a coach that would shout and scream at you to do better and harder, <laughs> right, um, right. where for a lot of us it just made us cry. Yeah, um, but right. if it's inside your own head, that has an enormous amount of power and influence. And how many years do we do that um, in a way that we would never do to our friends to our children, to our spouses, to even most of our enemies, if we even have them. Um, We wouldn't talk this way to anyone else um, as a collective rule. And and we say things like, I'll just suck it up. It's not that bad. You're being dramatic. In my own head, these are things I would say. You're being dramatic. Oh, for God's sakes, Rebecca, you live in a beautiful home. You have a good job and good kids. And this is what you're, you're obsessing over. Like, get your act together. Right, right. That kind of judgmental, shamey, like these feelings aren't valid. 
push past them yeah. and where do they go? They come out somewhere. And that's where you get in the pit, right? Mm-hmm. So you start believing them. And then all of a sudden it's two days and you haven't left the house or washed your hair or connected mm-hmm. with any other human being because you're so busy talking to yourself in your own head about all this trash. That can happen. Or it can happen where you pull yourself up by those bootstraps and you go through your life and you continue to be successful and functioning. But inside your own head, you feel lonely. You feel sad. You don't look unhappy to much of the world, but you are. And then you're struggling with even more of a sense, why am I unhappy? Because I didn't allow myself to explore. Did you look at my file before I got here? <laughs> no, I just know strong women, right? It's, That's That right. was me. Right. It, I suspect it's actually a lot of people. I suspect, you know, it really is, which is, I can remember when I had some of that first experience for myself, of course I'd learned about it, but I was young in grad school and I can remember we had these uh, oral examination, they were like, and you had to pass it. Um, And basically how I recall it was they could ask you anything that you should have learned over the last three years. Um, And you're in front of like half of your student body and half of your faculty. Um, And it's like recorded and it's a pass fail. Um, It's like this really huge life event kind of a thing. It was kind of all, I think they do it differently now. but, but it was, it was kind of this like traumatic buildup experience. And I was, I'm typically a very empathic person, I think by nature, which has made uh, me successful good at my job. Yeah, you, yeah, it was way. a good choice. Um, and I remember sitting out in the hallway waiting to go into my room and there was a girl who was going to get the other half of the faculty and, uh, and the other side. And she like started crying. Oh. And we're getting ready to walk in. And I look at him, typically empathic, keep that part in mind. And I look at her and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I like snap at her. And she starts like saying, this is it. This is where I get caught. Oh, oh. And I looked at her and I'm like, did I say that out loud? Did I say that? She had just said oh what was going gosh. through my mind. Um, and then they called us in. <laughs> and then we had to go into the room and do our thing. And I remember I like, chills. It, was, it was terrifying. And unfortunately she failed. Um, and so, and, I'm, and you wait days to find out. And so um, that following sort of weekend, several of us who did pass went out for um, margaritas at Chi Chi's back when it existed. <laughs> Um, and because that's how old I am, but um, let's not but date us anymore. Yeah, yeah, we're we're sort of sitting around this table, and I share that experience, and I shared my part at the table where I had said I thought I had said it out loud, like it freaked me out, um, and the table got silent, you know, and we were you know a pitcher in, and so yeah. everybody was pretty chatty, and the table got silent, and I thought, oh my god, they think it too, they think I should have failed. Oh, they think that's it about what, you. That's my oh. interpretation, right? Because you make yeah. assumptions about people's behaviors based on your own emotions and insecurity. Right. So my assumption was that. And then the girl next to me gets tearful. I'm like, oh my God, she doesn't want to tell me. And instead yes. she says, if you think you're a fraud, what am I? What about you're, you're so great. And, like, and then the guy next to me you know, was like, yeah, that's kind of surprising. you know. And then the person next to him kind of went around like, I can't believe I passed. I literally had a panic attack when I got noticed that I passed because I thought I was going to fail. And we kind of went around the room and I was looking at some of these top performers, mm-hmm. people that I was um, excited to be training with and and knew on some level I was in serious competition for some of the best placements right. um, because these were amazing people and everybody at the table felt it. And there was only one guy there, so I can use his experience, I suppose, minimally, but we all felt it. And I remember thinking... This is something big and something really broken. Absolutely. Why do we all think this? And then I, you know, I had my next margarita, so that was the end of that <laughs> that conversation. But but I mean, that was my first like light bulb moment of this is important and this is going to derail us. Um, and I have discovered that a lot of men feel this, but not seemingly as much as the as women. women do. And I think we do it in some ways unintentionally. 
in our culture or to each other or from one generation to the next. And we need to break the cycle of it. Oh my gosh, this is huge. I have chills because I just am recalling so many conversations I've had with people since I started this Badass Women's Council thing, opening up these conversations. Mm-hmm. It rings true with everybody. And, and, and what you said about the first silence Mm-hmm. You internalized. I took it. To, yeah, of this course. This must be about me. Yeah, they don't want to tell me. Awkward cricket sound in the background. And right. we do that all the time. We see a woman and we look at them and we think, oh, she's got it all together. Mm-hmm. I'm the one. But mm-hmm. we're all feeling this way. I, one of my uh, one of the Badass Women's Council members, Nicole Bush, who's been on the podcast, she talked about a situation at her gym not too long ago where she looked across the gym and there was this beautiful young girl and she said actually i looked at her and i thought i have lip envy like that girl has beautiful <laughs> lips like because that's what you were like oh look at her hair look at her lips and she said i went over and i i, I smiled at her and i wanted to strike up a conversation because that's just who nikki is she would do that with anyone and she said she just wouldn't engage and she said i internalized that that she was thinking who is this older chick at the gym who doesn't have her and 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 if if you could see Nikki she's gorgeous and totally has her act together she said but i immediately started to think it was about me that she wouldn't engage with me and she said it just so happened as we were walking out together the gym owner introduced us because we were walking out together and and Nikki said she looked at her and said yeah i, I tried to strike up a little bit of a conversation with you earlier And they did strike up a conversation and the girl said she was thinking the same thing about Nikki of why would she ever want to talk to me? Look how, you know, strong and healthy and beautiful she is. Mm -hmm. And they were each thinking that about each other. So they were not connecting because they were so in their own heads thinking it was them. So you think about that concept you're talking about, like with head trash. Yeah. Right. So if that gym owner wouldn't have come over, right, and and the right. chance encounter kind of created an opportunity to really challenge the validity of those internal irrational beliefs that they had, mm-hmm. that would have left her for days, hopefully not, she would have worked through it, right, or let it go. But it would have added to, especially if there's something in her past, and maybe it was a similar experience that wasn't spoken, um, an experience where I, you know people don't like me or women don't like me like me um, or you know those kind of thoughts and you look for data unfortunately if you're not challenging this you look for data that supports this belief oh, instead absolutely. of you know you sort of filter it away it's one of the difficult things with anxieties and insecurities you just dismiss things that don't fit in they don't make solid memories but you have like HD quality oh. memory examples of things that you feel like that did um, and it's so and you can't have it both ways um, right you can't have it both ways but we do and we wouldn't again wouldn't apply this to other people and, and I think that women are, we're, um, I mean, and one of my undergrad degrees was in a fun field of sociology. Um, and so <laughs> not a whole lot you can do with it career-wise necessarily, but um, sorry for all you majors out there in sociology, but, um, but it was fun. And one of the concepts that I remember learning about was the queen bee syndrome. Oh, the, I read this book, queen bees and wannabes. Yes. And so, um, so the concept of, of like women can't support each other. Um, there's like only one of us running the hive and like I think the queen orders the rest of the female babies like killed on birth Mm -hmm. and so there's this sense of internal competition that I I can remember a girl just a few months ago said to me and she is beautiful and she is fun and she is smart and and she's just a great client she wants to get better with her issues and, and she was talking about she's got this new girl in her class this year and she's like a senior in high school and um, she's beautiful and she looks perfect. And she was so frustrated because she's nice too. 
Like she wanted oh, to find something wrong. Yeah, and she's not. <laughs> um, and so we were sort of talking about, and she's like, and then she heard it as she said it out loud. She goes, oh my God, am I a horrible person? Am I a bad person? I said, no, but I think our culture kind of inspires that. What would be different? And then we have to kind of walk through, how do you approach that that person as somebody? She was, I think we're going to be friends. And and I and I have to admit to her that I didn't want to like her. And we kind of so process some of that. Like, But her instinct was to find something wrong with this person. She, I suppose, some evolutionarily wise Saul is competitive um, yeah. on some level and why is that you know why does it come down to that and so sort of challenging that earlier on but how many other 17 year old girls all of them all of them and how many more willing them to think about it it's really interesting it is interesting and so so talk about this like major stage of life that she's in right now it starts around like puberty and lasts about mid-20s this identity formation trying to discover who she is who she's going to be incorporating what she's learned from her family and her culture and her faith and in her society but also what does she personally accept mm -hmm. um her belief systems about any number of things and what a difficult time in life to do that. It's so hard to watch, um, too, because I don't know yeah. what to do a lot of days. Yeah, and so when we think about when I when I coach so many different people who come in here, men and women and kids of, of all ages all the way through life, uh, at some point these insecurities come up. Mm -hmm. Did we ever talk about the 16-40-60 rule? I don't remember. It doesn't sound familiar. So, so I was at a conference years and years ago, um, and— I don't even remember what the conference was. It's a continuing education thing. And the speaker up there was was talking about whatever the topic was. And the guy next to me, you know, raised his hand and 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 he said, So it sounds like you're talking about the 16-40-60 rule. And the speaker was like, Right, exactly. And people around I looked around the room and everybody seemed to be nodding their heads. I'm like taking notes. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and was this before you could Google it? Yeah, this, this would have been before we all had <laughs> smartphones. Because you're right, I would have. So I at lunchtime, I kind of sidled over to the guy that I had been sitting next to, and I'm like, so that was a really great comment that I was trying not to let it know that I didn't know. I'm so much more confident now. I'd have, I would just ask like, hey, now, yeah, like yeah. what's up with that? Um, so, but and maybe I hadn't heard it called that before, but I was well aware of it. And the numbers are slightly arbitrary, but the concept really fits. Um, and I feel like it applies much more, unfortunately, to women um, than it does men. But um, at 16, at 16 years old, you feel like you were on a stage in high school, that everything you say or do, it matters. You know, you get a, a pimple on your nose and it's and the world will judge you. Um, every heartache you go through, it's on display. You're on a stage. You're like, like, like a, a fish coming in like the little baggie from the fair. There's nowhere to hide um, in there. And it all feels feels like it matters. Yeah. Um, at 40, particularly as women, we sort of transition to this point of, I really don't care what you're thinking about me anymore. I am going to live my life the way that I want to. I'm going to raise my children. I'm going to make these choices that I feel like are the best for me. We sort of gain in sort of our confidence. And I don't care that you're judging me. Um, and then at 60, we transitioned to this point of realization that nobody was ever watching you. Um, and it's freeing. It's freeing right. to know it. You're still doing what you're doing at 40, but now you realize nobody's watching you. And because and they're all inside their own heads, worrying about you judging them. I had this exact conversation on the way to school with my son when he was 15. And because he was obsessing over a zit or something like that. And he was obsessing over it. And I said to him, I said, do you know what every other person at school is thinking about? And he looked at me thinking I was going to say, you're zit. zit. And I said, their own zit or their own bad haircut or their own, whatever they, everybody has their own stuff. They're so busy worried about their own stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't have time to worry about your zit. 
But do you think he got it? He well, he's an he's a weird, exceptional old soul. He did. He looked at me and he said, "Oh my gosh, you're so right." Because when I talk to my friends, they only talk about their own stuff. Right. He so, did get it. so that's sort of our our goal in life, or at least one of my goals in life is: why do we have to wait until we're sixty to figure out? that nobody's really paying that much attention. How do we do that? Um, so you're going to tell us today, right? So, sort of. Sort of. It's <laughs> some of the same concepts. Some of the same concepts you're talking about. It's important to be introspective, to be self-aware, to pay attention to that internal growth, right? To be mindful of it, but without the shame and the judgment. So that if you're holding on to those pieces, you can't grow. You can't learn. And when we recognize that most of us um, are just trying to get through the day, and trying to have some positive experiences. And um, you realize that an enormous amount of that pressure isn't viable. Now, in high school, there is a certain degree of display. There is a certain degree of that. So it's Social not, media is yeah. not helping that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's not. We and don't have time for that. Um, and, or in the bigger picture of, you know, you are judged by your grades. Think about any other oh. time in life, if we all had to walk yes. around knowing we had to turn in a paper and it was going to be critiqued, and then you get a grade, and then that grade can influence your outcome of your future when you ag or get them and all we're together. we a lot more pressure um, on kids today than yeah. we used to, so, so it's accelerated. Right. So, so they have the genuine pressures and some of those other pieces, but then there's the social viability mm -hmm. um and so and you're trying to figure out who you are during all of that what so there's a perfect story. yeah there's a lot going on there so so part of it's sort of this concept of learning to appreciate who you are know who you are and learn from it that doesn't always mean you're going to love everything about you but if there are aspects of you that are not as healthy as you would like for them to be, that need to be self-aware is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And becoming aware of it, um, especially if you can separate out the past judgments and stuff that's attached to it and just focus on the present. Um, you know, is this relevant to me now? Is that still choices that I make? Is that really still how I is feel? Is it really true? Is it really true? Just something you, that I right. believe, yeah. Um, and then you can always work on it if you're mindful about it and trying to mm -hmm. discover why do you feel compelled to do X, Y, or Z. That's how you, you focus more introspectively. Um, as a general rule in today's society, if you really do something that other people will find offensive or judgmental, they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you. <laughs> they're going to tell yeah. you. No, so no you, don't, sit you don't have to yeah, sit and yeah. spin in your head about it. They're going to tell you. Or you'll read about it on social media, as you said. So ultimately, teaching most of us to be more mindful you know, and more present in the moment, which is a really big concept that I think right. a lot of people are starting to get, um, and being able to take joy in some of the moments. Most oftentimes when we're taking stock in our own head, we're at risk for focusing on what's not getting done or what did we not do well or what are we frustrated that somebody else has that we don't and how do I get it or that kind of concept. Even when life is challenging and, some, and not all together. So you can have joy and have that sense of present good feeling at the same time you're going through a challenging situation at right. work they don't you don't have to right. wait until you're, everything's all cleaned up no and, and being that. aware even if you have played a role in some of the frustrating or difficult you know pieces mm -hmm. that that actually becomes helpful um you know my concept is about accountability and ownership not about fault and blame Oh, yeah. So that. Very, Say that again. So it's about, so I believe that growth and, and human development um, happens when we focus on accountability and ownership. Okay. What role do you play in some of the struggles that you have? Um, not because I'm going to focus on fault and blame. Those are the opposite. They, they keep you That's stuck. The they make you trash. That's the head. Thing. Yeah. As opposed to ownership. Um, and of course, validating is this truly something I should own is sort of part of what we were talking about before with the old agreements that you need to break sometimes. Right. But the concept of, all right, what role do I play? because I can change that potentially.
or I can learn to understand why I made that choice. Mm -hmm. um, and once we understand the, the, the drive, um, and whether that's the insecurities, the fears, the interests, the passions, then you have a bit more control. Right. If you don't take the time to pay attention to what role you play, you're, of course, at risk for the shaming and blaming cycle, the head trash. And ironically, we have all sorts of research that supports it. You're just going to repeat it again. Um, so true change <laughs> that happens. That would be super fun. Yeah. And so and that's why we, we oftentimes are at risk for repeating relationship struggles um, or being drawn to the same types of people maybe that aren't healthy for us. Oh, um, and we're going to do another podcast about relationships. I can't wait to talk about okay. that. That'll be fun. What What a so Brene Brown is one of my girl crushes, and I think everybody has <laughs> read her stuff and and resonated mm -hmm. with her sassiness. She talks about the antidote to some of that is connection, that when you can reach out and share with someone and connect with someone, you let some of that guard down and get rid of some of that shame. Speak to that. How do you feel about that? I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? If we're talking about, um, that's part of the benefit of therapy, right? Mm -hmm. I have said for years that many people um, don't need me long term. I'm a temporary source in their world. And that as they grow and they connect with other people um, and have a good tribe, as you would refer to it, yeah. you don't need necessarily very many professionals in your world except a few spikes in your life of, of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So as a general rule, that connectivity enables you to share some of those beliefs, those irrational core beliefs, and they and you get this feedback among people that you care about and that care about you and you right. care about them and and you ch challenge it and you think to yourself, well, these really smart people don't really think this about me. Why do I think this Why about me? I? And right. then you kind of can work on it in a different type of way. So that's part of it. The the sharing things out loud is part of the aspect of therapy. Um, I love therapy. <laughs> can I just say, <laughs> ladies, gentlemen? All of you out there, if you haven't gone to therapy, please do. I mean, mm -hmm. seriously, it mm -hmm. is. I say to my kids, not joking, you have a therapy fund in front of your college fund. Don't be afraid to use it. Like, I think it's the healthiest way to process some of this stuff in life so that you can be better connected. You can feel... I, I'm just a huge fan. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And, and by definition, I think I am too. Um, but I think that for most of us, just having the ability to share things out loud um, and then evaluate do I even believe what I just said how much of what comes out of us is is just sort of talk versus meaningfulness and how much of the feedback and support that we as strong women give other people in our world are we taking to heart or do we do the yeah buts well here's one example from one of our sessions that you probably don't remember so I was describing kind of a day in the life of Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian at the time and at the end of my story, which wasn't meant to be really the thing I came to talk about that day, but I was used, I was telling you this piece of it as context, just kind of setting the stage. And before I could even get to the heart of the issue that I wanted to talk about, I just had told you like what my normal day was like. You looked at me and you leaned back in your chair and you said, that exhausts me. <laughs> and I sat back and I thought, that is kind of weird. That's, that's a lot of work for day-to-day -day life. And I said, what do you mean? And you said, that's your normal day-to-day. -day. Now think about what you just said. That's, that's exhausting. And that has never left me because it had become such a normal way that I coped with things until you looked at me and you just <laughs> said, that exhausts me. And I tell this story all the time because then it forced me to say, 
it is really hard and dumb and I don't want to do this anymore. But up until that point, I had just continued to use, I was just coping, 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 and I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And but I needed you to to call that out a little bit. It was super. It was so helpful. And the, and you think about it, there's probably a lot of things that we do that because we can we feel like we should, and yet we know there's a concept sometimes that just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Um, and we say that to other people. And and like going back to the bad relationships over over and, and over and over, and, over. <laughs> and hoping that they will change. And quite frankly, believing we can change them um, when in fact there's oh, multiple girl, players. Language. I can't even go there right now. <laughs> we'll talk later. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> but in the but in the big scheme of things, you know, my experience um, in in life and with people in my personal life, my professional life, my social life. I mean, most people really are pretty good. That doesn't mean they don't have significant flaws. Certain flaws that would be really negative for me to have in my world. Um, and but many people um, are aware, you know, of their struggles. Um, and they work pretty hard to avoid them mm-hmm. um, in their personal life or in others, but they will leak out if you don't understand where it's coming from. I've said for years, and this is kind of disrespectful, and I don't mean for it to be, but um, I've said for years, like, I could train people to behave different like dogs. I could train them. We got the behavior yeah. stuff right to do that. But if you don't understand the whys, the drive behind them, at times of high stress, we're at risk for going back to old ways of coping. Every one of us are. Um, and so, you know, the relapse rates with smoking, with cigarettes, with relationship struggles, whatever your natural crack in the dam is, mm-hmm. as that pressure builds, if you don't have a healthy way to deal with your stress, you'll go back to an old way of coping. That why thing is huge. In fact, in the management and leadership coaching and teaching that I do, I just spent two days talking about the why behind the what, because I had managers and leaders who couldn't figure out why teams wouldn't do what they needed them to do. And, you know, they had all kinds of metrics and all kinds of instructions. And I said, do they know why? Why they're doing it. Do they, do they know why doing it one way is different, better than doing it another? Do they know why? Mm-hmm. And they all just kind of said, well, they should. And I go, mm, but do they though? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. We, are, we don't slow down enough to either think for ourselves about why or to help the people that we're working with to get the why behind the what. That's huge. And, and it's scary for people because you're talking about change. you're asking them to to look at an organization about change or doing things than what's been traditionally done. Even if they would all agree that traditionally hasn't worked well, um, it's a known. We get strangely loyal to just daily habits, Mm -hmm. even the bad ones. Mm -hmm. And, and with that, you know, when you think about us sort of as women who are at risk, uh, especially, you know, you're juggling lots of different roles, you're at risk for being in a silo. Um, You connect everybody else to their world and to their people, um, but somehow we have the sense of it's selfish if we want to do something for ourselves or within a, a group of circle uh, of women. Like, I, you know, can I go out to dinner with my girlfriends? Yeah. I really need to go get this done. Or, you know, you find out kind of last minute, oh, your kids get a choir concert. And, right, and it right. wasn't on the calendar because they didn't tell you. Um, yep, yep. But that's the, that is the exact thing that I want to break down and bring out in the open with the Badass Women's Council conversations is when I think about it, how often we unintentionally isolate ourselves. Mm -hmm. We didn't do it on purpose, 
But the next thing you know, we just have lost connection with people that are important to us. We're so busy taking care of everybody else's needs that we haven't taken the time to really connect with those people that feed us. Yeah, and and the, the feed us part is really kind of that important piece, too. I mean, it's not easy a lot of times for strong women to let other people in close enough to see that, right? Let alone <laughs> let them, you know, give you the sort of ability to rejuvenate. You find yourself, even most women will talk to me about that, even if they don't have deep, meaningful conversations. Um, going out to dinner, grabbing a glass of wine with, with some of their girlfriends feels rejuvenating, feels empowering, feels good. But I will say that, when I ask my other strong women friends about this topic and they will say, I do not want to sit around and have small talk. Like strong women say, yes, let's go grab a drink and relax and let our hair down. But they still want to just mm-hmm. talk about real stuff. They don't have agree. a lot of patience for the. I would agree. I would agree because that's exhausting because if it's about that's the minutia, it, it doesn't fill me back no, up. It, it drains. Think, me. Oh, there's an hour of my life. I don't get back. Mm-hmm. Shut up mm-hmm. already. And you don't feel more connected to that person, which exactly. is why most of the time when I talk with these girls, well, what did you end up talking about at dinner last night? What did you guys? Oh, I don't know. We just talked about this and oh, wait, that's not true. Cause so-and-so was talking to me about what was going on with their son. And it made me think about what I need to be doing. And then we <sighs> shared. So it turns out they, most of the times probably are yeah. talking about it, but how difficult it is for them to imagine, emotionally, or perhaps even in their world among their spouses or their kids to get the permission, which is what it feels like they have to have in order to make that time available. Mm-hmm. And and that's really a mistake. That's And so where is that? What's yeah. the why is that so hard for you to do? And I did make that shift big time years ago. And I not only made it to make the time for myself, but I wanted to show my daughter that it was important. I Absolutely. wanted her to see me taking time for myself and know that as she got older, that that would be expected that she did that too. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a wonderful point because we think about so many things in our lives as parents um, that we're modeling, you know, for our children or conversations that we want to have with them. But when we oftentimes take a step back, are we actively, you know, walking the walk? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I can remember experiences with my own, you know, life where I would do something and my kids are like, well, why are you doing that? Well, because I think I'll enjoy it. It'll be fun. Yeah, but why? <laughs> and it occurs to me when they keep asking the question, it's because it's a foreign concept to them to yeah. think about me. I think it's a person, um, especially when they were younger, to think about me as a separate individual, mm-hmm. a woman, a person. Um, and I, those are little light bulb moments when you're like, all right, I guess that's a mistake that I need to correct. Does that Instead mean- of explaining why. Yes. Right. And, and instead of being in my own head and, and thinking, oh, no, I've made this mistake, mm-hmm. um, do something ownership and accountability versus shame and blame. Oh, I love that. We could do this for hours. I could. And it would be super fun. Um, I'm going to wrap it up, but I don't want to because I think <laughs> this conversation is so rich and I know it's going to be helpful for so many. So we're going to wrap up for now, but you're going to be a guest again, and we're going to talk about relationships. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm not coming down. I told you it was good. I hope that you found that as insightful and helpful as, as I did. And I hope that you will share it. As always, here at the Badass Women's Council, we have a couple of questions that you can reflect on this week. The first one is, what beliefs do you have that may not be truths? 
what do you need to challenge about your own beliefs that might be holding you back? And are you giving yourself the permission to reach out and connect, to take the time that you need to reach out and connect with others? Because that really does break down so much of the stuff that's in our head when we can reach out and have meaningful, rich, depth conversations with other great people. I hope you'll do that. Okay, so that's all for today. As always, if you have keynote opportunities to talk about these kinds of things like mindfulness and connection, I'm your girl, or any kind of coaching or consulting for small and mid-sized businesses, hit me up. I would love to chat with you about that. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.